0: hello welcome back to the education on fire podcast thank you so much for joining me and also to those of you who turned up either in person or online um, and there were people from around the world to the national association for primary education christian schiller lecture and it was presented by nancy stewart and she was focusing on early years and it was just a fascinating and inspirational conversation about the development of children how that fits in with the current system and her thoughts on on what we can really do to support all of that. So um, I'm glad to say that she's agreed for this presentation that was recorded to go onto the NAEP YouTube channel. So as soon as that's available, I will let you know because it's an absolutely fantastic watch. Now this week, I'm excited to be able to say I'm going to be at the BET show in London. And of course, we're going to be chatting about all things EdTech. I'm going to be catching up with some of the people within our educational on Fire community who I know are going to be there presenting and speaking and, and have some of the stands at the event. So that's going to be a fascinating and a really interesting thing. I'm there on Thursday, the 24th of March. So if you're going to be there, please do let me know and try and get in touch. And, and we'll try and find a way for us all to, to get together and, and say hello in person, which is going to be amazing. I'm also going to be speaking and chatting with Peter Claxton from Viewsonic. And you may remember that he did an episode with me on episode 226 we're going to be talking about podcasting and how schools can use that to market themselves and, and that kind of idea of you know, how podcasting is really developing within the education system in kind of getting your message out wherever that happens to sort of fit within your journey. So that's going to be a really exciting thing this Thursday and, and I really hope that you're able to join us. And I'm going to be recording and chatting to many people at the event and I'm going to bring you that as a, as a live from the BET show bonus episode. So do look out for that in the, in the near future. today I'm delighted to be chatting to Edward Gorst and he's the Cambridge sleep coach. Now, as a secondary school science teacher, he developed insomnia literally out of nowhere and it really was rough for him for about six months or so. Now, he managed to fully get over the insomnia and get back to being a normal sleeper, but it really affected him in such a way that he's developed a a whole selection of resources and a a website and the opportunity to help you understand sleep if you're struggling. And we have a fascinating conversation about some of the things which I think will be really helpful to help you with your sleep, understand your sleep. And if you do suffer with insomnia, maybe there are some really great things here which might help. And we know that with the, the stress levels within education, sleep can be a really obviously a very important thing but something that people struggle with so i really hope that as sort of a a follow-up to last week's kind of well-being and nutrition um focus this is going to be something which is going to be incredibly helpful so i'll be back chatting with edward the cambridge sleep coach right after a quick thank you from our sponsor the national association for primary education is a non-political uk charity as Vice Chair, I'm delighted to be hosting six online CPD events to enable you to be supported as educators, no matter where you are in the world. To find out more information, go to nape.org.uk forward slash online hyphen events. That's nape.org.uk forward slash online hyphen events. Hi, Ed. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast podcast. We've got a little mini theme going on at the moment in terms of well-being and people looking after themselves. And I know that sleep is the most important thing from my point of view. I know good night sleep, a good sleep system, has always made sure that I'm at my my best self. So, thanks for being here. And just start off by telling us a little bit about how you got involved in in sleep as a as a, as a <laughs> topic. <laughs>
1: yeah well i just to, to start with i think you know what you're saying like a good night's sleep is so important if you think of all the different pillars of health whether that's what you eat you know your exercise all of that kind of goes out of the window if you've had a crap night's sleep so we really need to to focus on the sleep primarily and then the other things Can happen a lot more easily. Um, So, my background: I'm a biology teacher at secondary school. I do a bit of chemistry as well, Um, and teach 18 down to 11. Um, Been in teaching for a few years now, so still quite early on in my career. Um, And look, being a a newly qualified teacher has its stresses, and uh, it's not easiest for for most teachers. But when I went through, um, about halfway through the year, I just had one night where um, I didn't really sleep very much because I had a tough class and if you're dealing with a class that's got some behavioral issues it can be quite you know stressful and frustrating at times. Anyway as as happens to a lot of people your mind ticks over and tries to fix these things and didn't really stop racing so that night I didn't sleep very much um, and then the next day you know I went for my lesson and it was a bit of a disaster as you might expect having had a rubbish night's sleep, and um, then the next night, I didn't really sleep very much either, um, and then the next day after that, I remember thinking, all right, well, I'm going to sort of look up to see why I'm not sleeping very well, and uh, that then started a journey where essentially I just got a bit obsessed with sleep, um, and as a result of that, I um, became an insomniac for probably what was about four or five months. Um, And it's slightly, it's a bit like going down a rabbit hole. The more you're obsessed, you become with sleep, the further away you get from it. Um, (laughs) And, um, anyway, I, I, went through lots of different things, trying to cure my sleep problems, if you like, and, um, as you know, it came out the other end. And when I went through it, I thought, well, actually when you really boil down to getting over insomnia, which is different for everyone, I'm not saying one size fits all, but On the other hand, it is quite similar for most people. Um, Actually, it's much more straightforward to get over than you think. And it's not easy, but um, essentially there's nothing for most people. There's nothing inherently wrong with you in that sleep is is really as natural as breathing. Um, It just happens. And if you ask a good sleeper, how do they get to sleep? they'll say, I don't know, I'd lie down, shut my eyes, and just something seemed to happen. Um, And on this journey, I obviously found out a lot about it, and since then I've been researching and reading about it more, and the effects that it has to the wider society, and people who aren't necessarily a category of being an insomniac, um, but people who would benefit from getting better sleep, who, I'm not saying they've got any sleeping problems, but there's things that everybody can change with their lifestyle to Make sure they get the best night's sleep.
0: Yeah, and I think, like you said, we all know anyone who's involved in education that there are times when you there's a lot on your mind is worrying. And I'm interested to sort of know where that, like you say, that odd night because there's a deadline, a class, an Ofsted inspection, mm. whatever it happens to be. You know, keeps you sort of on edge, as opposed to that sort of trickling into a more regular, a more regular problem. Um, so just sort of take us down maybe the difference between that kind of the odd night here and there as opposed to it then becoming something like say insomnia being something which is a bit more mm. long term.
1: So so I mean everyone has those nights where you're worried about what's gonna happen tomorrow. You might have had an argument with someone in your family, you might have an offset inspection. It can be for whatever that's causing stress in your life. Um and, and what happens with insomnia, which insomnia can last for, for a few weeks for some people and then they get over it and that's fine. Again, if they're just going for a, you know, a stressful period. But a good analogy for what you when you become a chronic insomniac, which is someone who's suffering for, for more than a f- four weeks, really, and it's become quite routine um, and they get more bad nights than good nights is a, a good bar for it, is um, you go through the stressful situation and um, you're not sleeping. You kind of can understand that, most people can understand that. But then the stressor goes away, the offset inspection passes, um, whatever it is that's passed, but then you still don't sleep. And it's at that point that most people then ask the question, why am I not sleeping? And there's that seed of doubt that's planted in their brain that I have, I have lost the ability to sleep or there's something wrong with my sleep, I need to fix it. And, and that's when people begin to go down the rabbit hole, and when the problems can start to cement. And unfortunately, um, insomnia is one of those things. The more attention you give it, the more you try to fix it, the worse it becomes. And and actually, what you have to try and adopt, and there's lots of ways you can do this, and a certain practice that I, t- I consult people with, is um, it's how to let go of the rope, let go of the struggle, and um, come to terms with it, which is ironically, the, the and sounds counterintuitively, the way that, that you do get over it. Um, because it's not like, for example, if you're suffering from depression, where there are steps you can take that will help that, for example, exercising, eating well, and speaking to people. Insomnia is really, the more we energy, the more you focus on it, I'm afraid the worse it tends to get.
0: So you mentioned a couple of things there but can you take us just down into some of those some of those things which are, are likely to help um anyone who is struggling
1: so what i what i practice is and, and teach people is what we call acceptance and commitment therapy which is something that people use for all sorts of mental illnesses but i've applied it um to insomnia and and treating that and and essentially what it boils down to is is one recognising that the struggle you have with insomnia is a is a struggle that you've created. It's a struggle that you have made up in your head. And there's bad thoughts and bad feelings that come across with it. For example, if you're lying in bed, you know, you've know you got a knot in your stomach, your heart's racing, um, you're thinking, oh, I'm not going to sleep tonight, tomorrow's going to be a disaster, or what if I don't sleep, and all these things. Uh, and what, what I say to people is... That you're you're never going to get rid of these thoughts or feelings. Um, they're going to stay there and they're going to keep popping because the brain, when you when you look at it, is very good at just generating random thoughts that you really have no control over, and and also no control over the feelings and sensations you feel in the body and all the anxiety that comes with insomnia because that's what insomnia really is. It's anxiety about sleep and not being able to sleep. And what we do is we slightly flip it on its head and try and instead of trying to get rid of the anxiety, we say, well, actually, we're going to get to know it. We're going to sit with our insomnia and we're going to see what happens and see that actually it's not quite as scary as we think it is. And so what we practice is, and essentially, it's a mindfulness-based practice. And what you're beginning to do is recognize that you are not your thoughts. And that's really the key key quote there is that whatever words and images are going through your head um, what comes across with all this anxiety is that it's going to be there but if you try and do things to get rid of it like for example a lot of insomniacs will do a lot of running they won't touch a drop of caffeine because they think they're going to beat their insomnia and they try actively to do that then that makes it worse but if, if you just sit with it and are happy to lie and let the thoughts and feelings come essentially what you do is you tell your brain that they're not a threat, that you don't have to fight with them. And by doing that, they lose their power. And when they lose their power, your body can begin to relax a bit. And as you relax more, you're more likely to sleep, essentially. So it's about bringing you out of that fight-flight zone um, and becoming comfortable with the fact that the thoughts and feelings are there and that you might not sleep which it's hard to get across in five minutes
0: it really does but it makes a lot of sense and i think that there's um there's a really sort of deep connection there which like you say you've you've approached in terms of insomnia but i think in terms of life generally that as soon as you separate out the mind from who you are is it whether you call it spirit whether you call it whatever the fact that you've got this sort of earthly kind of life thing happening <laughs> and, and 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 like you say you just literally have the ability to see it almost running like a movie on its own which is then separate from who you are and like you say once that kind of dissipates and and you you don't try and fix it you just allow it to be that incredibly important in terms of insomnia, but can also just empower you in so many other ways. And then, like I say, there's almost like a healing process that goes on from there, I think which just enables life to take care of itself, as it should do in that kind of natural process, like I say, because it's you that's created a lot of these things without even knowing it.
1: Absolutely. And to build on that, uh, it's weird to think it now. But when I look back on my struggles with insomnia, and where I've gone through this journey, and where I'm at now, it was one of the, the best things that's happened to me because before this, I had no idea that, you know, I really bought into the idea that the, my thoughts were me and and actually having gone through this, I can, like you say, begin to step back a bit and, and see that I am not my thoughts. And um, it's been really freeing actually. And times before when I've, I've never suffered from anxiety before insomnia, but if I do get anxious now, I relate to it very differently because I see it for what it is. And and that's really, it's just your mind is, you know, it's does its own thing and it generates all these thoughts and and images because that's what it does. And it's designed to do that. And the feelings in your body are are just that they are feelings that you don't have to buy into and, and, you know, think of them as something you've got to change or get rid of. Um, But just to be clear, you know, with sleep, there are things like you know, you're not drinking too much coffee and stuff which is very important for the general population um and you know of course that's important for people who are suffering from insomnia too but i do wear two different hats i wear my hat for people who need to improve sleep just from a general perspective and i wear my hat for people who are suffering from insomnia and that's a different approach
0: yeah so let's just Talk briefly about that in terms of some of those practical things, which, like you say, are going to benefit people generally. And I'm assuming from my own personal experience, like say, limiting your caffeine or alcohol at a certain point of the day, or or indeed at all, um, exercise and physicality, and and those kind of things. So just sort of take us into a few of those things, which I'm sure some people will recognise, but maybe not know. <laughs> yeah.
1: Not know um,
0: the best way of changing it.
1: No, of course. I mean, the first thing to say is that any insomniac will know all of this anyway because they are so obsessed with what we call sleep hygiene that they're all over it and they're too obsessed and they get besotted by it but for everybody else i mean there's some really general easy things to do nothing's none of this is rocket science it is about midday don't drink any caffeine after if you want to enjoy a couple of cups of coffee in the morning great maybe you have a, an afternoon tea but sort of early in the afternoon fine but stay away from the red bull and the high caffeine energy drinks that's a no-brainer because it and some people say well i drink a coffee at four o'clock and i get to sleep okay well what actually happens there is is it you can sleep with lots of caffeine in your body but it wrecks what's called the deep sleep stage of your sleep so you basically sleep but it's not nearly as restorative as it could be and the same goes with alcohol if you drink alcohol you can sleep, obviously, if you've had too much to drink, but it's a very light sleep. You don't into the deep sleep that you could be and getting the REM sleep, especially with alcohol too. Um, so it's important if you want to, you know, I'm not saying don't drink alcohol, if you want to enjoy a drink, by all means. But you know, my general rule is have one or two and you know, have a couple of glasses of water and, and, and leave it at that a few hours before bed. Um, the, the, the really important one is, is, which is a bit understated, is um it's getting morning lights now. This, this what when you go outside in the morning, sort of before nine o'clock, if you can. And it's important. This is outside, not bright lights inside, which are nowhere near as bright as even a cloudy day. Is if you go outside and the bright light, what it does is it sends a signal through your eyes, which gets what's called the circadian rhythm going. And so all cells in your body on a twenty-four hour clock. And the more in sync that your body is with that, and the way it does that is by Seeing the different light levels in the day, so sort of telling your body which is morning, which is. Midday and which is evening, it can really strengthen your circadian rhythm, making going to sleep. You get to sleep faster, you sleep for more in the rhythm, and it's really important to do that for your health. And the 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 last one, which is quite important, is is not to eat too late. You don't really want to be having your fish and chips or whatever your big last meal and going to bed an hour later. It's better to eat earlier. And and to be honest, isn't just for sleep. This is for other health reasons too. So eating early is another one um and i mean other than that there's i mean obviously if you go to the gym at 10 o'clock at night don't expect to fall asleep at 11 but you know these are quite self-explanatory and, and the another one is is really actually for everyone is to try and keep a sort of quite a, a standard schedule for when you go to bed and wake up and and weekends when we you know, try and lie in um that kind of disrupts your rhythm and it's best if you can to sort of Keep a seven-day regular, what time you go to bed, what time you get up. Um, but don't get too obsessed by these things because, you know, at the end of the day, I eat a pack of crisps. I know a pack of crisps isn't good for me, but uh, I still do it. The same applies to these sleep hygiene things. That They're not laws you have to follow, but they're general guidelines.
0: Yeah, and I guess the, the, more, the more you you want to just adopt these sorts of practices because you know they're beneficial for you then it's that's that sort of treadmill as it were is is gets better and better and easier and easier because you feel better for it you want to do it like so you get all of those all those things in um there's, there's just just one thing that you mentioned which um i don't know how much you know about this is the fact i really like what you said in terms of the the light in the morning and all of that and one of the things that i've is always puzzled me um for years and years is the fact that we do have a yearly calendar and it's different getting up and energy levels and the ability to sleep in the winter than it is in the summer because it's daylight at four in the morning in the summer and it's not daylight at all (laughs) some days um in in the winter um and so from a sleep perspective you know Should we be thinking in sort of more of that sort of calendar kind of way in terms of of, of how we approach things? And I know it's difficult because, you know, our lives don't necessarily work in that way but in, a, in an ideal world I mean is that something to be aware of and it's certainly something I try to pass on to our kids in terms of when they're like, oh it's really tired and of it's like but, yeah. you know you're, you're getting up in the dark and you're going to bed in the dark and most of yeah. the day you're inside you know it's understandable
1: yeah well there's two things about it. I mean one when we're in the depths of winter you, people generally do want to sleep longer um, so if you're, you're in the summer you're sleeping maybe seven and a half hours you probably want to sleep more like eight 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 and a half in the winter so I'm not saying that we hibernate but in a sort of sense we maybe do a little bit but the key is really that even in the shortest day of the year the sun rises at eight and you are still getting natural light from eight to nine o'clock well when i say from eight to nine it only needs to be sort of 10 or 15 minutes you don't have to be outside for hours um and that is is the sort of benchmark you're getting for your body that okay it's a new day start the circadian rhythm again it's that bit of light in the morning that's so key um and of course it does affect not having so much light in the evening um but the really important thing is that bit of light in in the morning
0: I really like that and I also think sometimes there are some days when I might arrive at school but I'm I'm there five or ten minutes earlier and that ability just to kind of literally set your day which might be at sort of seven something or eight o'clock or whatever time you arrive both in terms of the light makes perfect sense to me now but also just in terms of that general just kind of having the chance to sit and breathe and, and, and start you <laughs> start your day in in, yeah. in a way that you want to rather than literally last minute sort of handbrake turn into a car parking and, and straight <laughs> into, a, into a lesson which I know we have days like that but yeah like I said, we're, to- we're talking about sort of trying to create an environment that we want to be able to do which is supportive over a longer period of time.
1: Exactly, and, and a really nice way to do this is, um, look at school. It's tricky. Registration's eight thirty, um, and in winter when the sun only rises at eight, you've only got a really short window, and you're trying to get everything ready. So it's really tricky for teachers, and students alike. Um, but, you know, a good thing you, if you can just nip outside for a coffee with a colleague for five, 10 minutes and and get that like you know, like I say, you can't really get it from an office light or whatever. Um, and yeah, you know, what else? You you have a nice chat. You have a bit of a, a you know breather and then you're probably feeling a little bit more positive for your registration anyway. So there's lots of pluses to come from it. And um, a lot of people really do get into it and really like it.
0: Yeah, I, I like the fact that it's, it's all about kind of doing what you can do in whichever way you can do it and um, I was chatting to someone earlier today and we were just talking about you know putting your trainers on you might not be doing the marathon tomorrow but you know that by regularly <laughs> putting your trainers on you're more likely to go for a walk and then you're more likely to do something else and so like you say exactly. if, there's no, if, there's, if there's no reason not to have this conversation outside to inside then that small change in your lifestyle is going to make a, a difference like you say which is going to build um sort of time on time and day by day which I, yeah i think it's fantastic those small things that kind of yeah. do revolutionize kind of how you yeah. feel and all those things then snowball into the rest of your day as best they can
1: so exactly and look, there's something i think that's really important to say which is affects schools massively is that um about 15 percent of teenagers will experience what we call sl- delayed sleep onset disorder which sounds very scary but essentially all it means is that most adults want to go to bed at about 10 o'clock at night. I mean, most will stay up because of artificial lights or maybe 11, watching too much Netflix or whatever. Um, but teenagers who have what this delayed sleep onset disorder, essentially what happens is they just release melatonin, the sleep hormone, a bit later than most adults. So they actually quite often don't want to go to bed until maybe 11.30. Um, and the problem with this is, is that they still need their, maybe teenagers needing their eight and a half hours sleep. But they've got to get up at 7.30 for school. So they're probably sleep depriving themselves without realising it, that because they've got to get up at 7 and they went to bed at midnight, um, you know, seven hours sleep for a teenager is not a lot. I mean, it's okay, but it's not ideal. And so because we've got the school day starting at 8.30, um, we're inadvertently affecting this 15 to 10% of teenagers. And there is an argument out there that maybe the school day should be starting maybe half an hour later or you know, 9, 9.30 to allow for, you know, what is really, I suppose, a problem.
0: Yeah. And, and therein lies a whole different podcast of of, <laughs> yeah. of, 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 of the school system and structure because I, I completely agree. It doesn't need to be we're going to start at lunchtime. You know, they don't need to sleep all morning. And like you say, in, in some ways, having, like we've spoken about already, you know, having a regular cycle, which if, like you say, if and if it is just that extra half an hour, or that extra hour would mean that the whole thing would then um, sort of be much smoother and much more, much more supportive for them. Yeah. Um, So let's let's just dig into that just slightly. So let's assume that, you know, the reality is, is they do want to go to bed later. Should they knowing this and i think these conversations are important to understand it should they be trying to get to bed earlier or is that just the, uh, that that sounds like it would solve the problem, no. but the reality is is that your body's not going to allow that anyway. So so how did you sort of try and sort of even that out?
1: So what what what, what can change with this is, um, whilst they might want to go a bit later, it's actually not that much later. It's not that they need to be staying up till one in the morning. Um, for example, I said that you know I go to bed at ten. They may just want to go to bed at eleven. Um, it's not hours later. But what I would suggest is that they just improve their sleep hygiene things like caffeine, hopefully not alcohol, um, you know, when they eat and, and have a bit of a wind down, not too much television, bright lights at night, that kind of thing. And just bring their bedtime back 15 minutes for a few nights, try another 15 minutes and until they get to a point where they feel a bit more comfortable. And it's a gradual process um, because, like you say, you know, there's no point trying to force this. Um so that would be my suggestion and and bright lights is is a big one for for teenagers they're on their phones on whatsapp till god knows what hour in the early morning and or gaming or or whatever and that's a real problem so kind of rule of thumb smartphones and playstations and whatnot out of the bedroom and uh, switch them off at nine o'clock um and hopefully you should be doing some homework work anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and
0: I, yeah, and and I love that sort of, like I say, small things ma- making a bit of a difference as they go through conversations about it. I think one of the things that uh, we found very positive is a family is that sense of, you know, certain things we can control and have hard boundaries. Like let's say, whether that's phones out the room or mm. that kind of thing. But there are some things as they get older, you don't have that control over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sort of putting into perspective that you know, we're trying to give you good habits, good advice, good understanding of what you want to do. And, you know, we know you don't want to be tired. We know that you want to enjoy what you're doing either in school or around school. And you know that that's been sort of detrimental from having been up late or whatever it happens to be. And I think that kind of power share shift that goes on as they <laughs> get older in terms of, you know, making these decisions because you want to, you know. and And I think I think a lot of the time because of the education system it's kind of you go and do what you're told you have to do it in a certain way there's not very much dialogue there's not very much kind of communication in that way it's kind of this is how it works I'm going to go and do it and at some point I'll come out the other end as soon as you start to change that shift in balance I think it, it makes a difference and, and I, I think those small things that you say and that kind of taking responsibility for yourself because you want to because of the benefits that happen I think yeah, the small things make the make the big change.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just think an example of that is someone in my sick form, um, you know, coming in at nine o'clock in my registration, they're drinking a can of Monster. And I'm saying, you know, why are you drinking a can of Monster? Which is loads of caffeine. in? And oh, well, I didn't, I got to bed quite late, so you know, I didn't get much sleep. And it's like, well, just so you know, having the Monster is not going to set you up terribly well for the next night's sleep. So just educating them on the, the effects because you know they don't quite see that a can of monster can have as much caffeine as two or three cups of coffee it's a lot and especially if the effects of that on a 17 year old are heightened compared to you know a 30 year old so yeah it's just about informing them and like you say letting them make the decision for themselves but they also do need a bit of education on it because, you know, b- before I went through this, there was a lot of things I didn't know. Um, and I read biomedicine at university. So you think, well, I've had a half an idea about some of it. But... <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I say, it's only when it's in your awareness, isn't it? And it makes a difference to you. Like I say, Exactly. You to... Yeah.
1: And it, so this... it, sorry, I was just going to say, in London, I, I saw a bus go past with an advert for an energy drink and, and on it, it had um, eat, play, work, sleep written across and big red crosses through the sleep and i think there's you know that's a really bad message that the general public is seeing because we know how important sleep is for health and well-being so i don't think kids get an easy time because they're told this message that they can work hard play hard and not have to think about sleep but you have to prioritize it
0: yeah absolutely and uh, yeah <laughs> there's a whole other podcast there isn't there? advertising <laughs> yeah. and media and and all of that kind of thing and and, and i think and i think It's a little bit like we've just said, it's that kind of, you know, you can impart this, this information, but it depends how much information is coming at you and where it's coming from. Um, And I guess that's where, you know, the relationships that you have as a teacher where you can have, you know, it's not a one off, you shouldn't be doing that. It's an ongoing relationship of, you know, we know that this type of drink maybe isn't the most Um, supportive thing for you. We know that sleep is important, we know that exercise is important. Um, And regularly, and regularly, the environment that you can control that you want to create is going to be supportive, you know, not just because I'm telling you to but because you inherently do know that, partly from, like you say, the information we're giving you. And also you start to feel the difference of as, as it happens as well. So yeah, absolutely. yeah. Uh, and that's why these things are complex, isn't it? You know, there's, there's, <laughs> like I say, there's no easy fix. It's just sort of regular, exactly. regular kind of constant conversations reminder. together. Yeah, constant, perfect way of put. So let's just flip it a little bit in terms of, you know, you say, being a teacher now, but going looking back into, into your education, was there a teacher or a, uh, an educational experience which sticks in your mind that you'd like to share with us?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, my standout was a chemistry teacher called Mr. Bartlett who, um, I mean, his favorite thing is every time we give an answer, he would just always say why. And I think that's so important as a teacher to really just push the people to that next level and, and think, to do you know really what is going on here why is it important what, 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 do i really get it and so that's one of my things i'm really trying is it's just to ask that question why as opposed to just taking a fact at face value um so i you know try to do that as much as i can
0: and i think yeah that sort of practical understanding of having been there and done it like say <laughs> and once you get down that rabbit hole then like say that anything in your life kind of really helps and i can you know full circle you know in terms of if you're not sleeping and you've got insomnia you know why is that like where you go and away you go yeah. and you can sort of reverse engineer it out to like you say to forget about it and also do all the <laughs> stuff we talked about at the beginning yeah yeah um, in
1: fact insomnia is the one place where why is not the right thing to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> um
0: and is there a piece of advice that you were given which has been very supportive for your you know piece of advice you'd give your your younger self now looking back
1: yeah i it's that quote i said earlier which um i mean i didn't come up with this i found it that someone told me is is recognizing that you are not your thoughts and and when you be and it takes practice and you know i do all the time i get wrapped up in my thoughts all the time and and believe them and uh you know one of the quick way to do this is ask anybody to think of a family memory or think of a fruit and vegetable and something will crop up and then you'll say to them did you actively choose that and then they'll go no it just popped into my head and at that point the penny drops usually and they can begin to realize ah well i'm not in control of my thoughts and and actually start to just buy into those that are useful and not to to treat them all as true and take them all at face value that would be if i knew that a long time ago I think it, it's just it's helpful for everyone I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and that's why I think these I, we know a lot of the things that we share here on the podcast it may well be especially is is youngsters they may not take on or even fully understand necessarily but if they've never heard it then they've got even don't have that option to take on board or not you know so so sharing it's important and it's interesting as adults sort of looking back so many people say that oh if only I'd known that or if only I'd experienced <laughs> that and wherever you kind of come across that you know there's a natural path and learning journey and, and all of that kind of thing I think being aware of these things is important like we said you know information and sharing and all yeah. of that kind of thing and then just finally, then, is there a resource um, which has had a big impact on your life? And this can be anything from a film to a song, book, podcast, whatever it happens to be.
1: Yeah. So on the topic of sleep, when, when you, and I think this is really important for anyone who's listening who's suffering from insomnia, is that you shouldn't be suffer you, you shouldn't suffer. There, It's not untreatable. You can sort it out. And for some people, they try what's called CBTI, which... I didn't, it you know, didn't work for me. It doesn't work for everyone, can work for some people, but it's, it's to actively to go through acceptance commitment therapy for insomnia. And I mean, I do it at my website, Cambridge Sleep Coach. Um, but the other place where it was pioneered is the sleep school in London. And um, going through a, a guy called Dr. Guy Meadows who really pioneered this. Just, you know, changed my life and has led to all these other discoveries I've been making. Um, so, yeah, if you are suffering, and in a nutshell go and get help don't suffer you don't need to um and you know, a good place to start is either my website or go to the sleep school and see dr guy meadows as well
0: fantastic and you just mentioned it there but just yeah, give, give us that website again and just and briefly just tell us exactly the sorts of help and support people can get other from just visiting the website or indeed the, the one-on-one coaching that you do
1: yeah so i on my website's cambridge sleep coach which is going for a bit of a revamp at the moment um but there i've got you know general stuff for, for anyone who needs to get better sleep um, and then a bit of dialogue about what to do if you are suffering from insomnia and a few things you can do and then obviously if they need to have a consultation with me then i'm happy to talk one-on-one and um you know, essentially people to understand that they can get help and that because it's it's one of those that's been stigmatised as something that you can have for life, which is far from true. Um, I've seen people who've had it for decades and we've talked things through and, you know, back to normal
0: fantastic well there's a very positive uh, note for us to finish on so ed thank you so much for being here and sharing all those thoughts and insights for us and i think as as we know if we can improve our sleep and if we are struggling then there's help out there and actually that's gonna help all aspects of our of our life in school and out so yeah thanks very much indeed
1: mark thank you very much for having me on the show